It's the Last Call Podcast with Chris Michaels, and I promised you that I was going to get into the Twitter files that Matt Taibbi posted yesterday. He posted two different types of Twitter files. So I'll start off with this. This comes from News Punch. Former FBI boss admits Bureau has been infiltrated by WEF goons who want to destroy America. Wow. At least somebody admits it. Ex-FBI Assistant Director Chris Swecker said on Tuesday that he supports creating an independent commission modeled after the U.S. Senate's 1970s Church Committee to investigate the WEF coup d'etat of the FBI and the DOJ. At least somebody is finally coming clean. He continues by saying, What I see is that it's basically a wholesale takeover of the DOJ, Department of Justice, which is filled with political appointees in every top position. And then, by extension, right into the administration. You see DOJ people uh, and many of their top executives inside the FBI have made a career out of bouncing in and out of silk-stocking law firms between the Department of Justice and then these law firms. And if I have to say, they are incredibly liberal in their politics, and that has now sort of taken over the FBI, inserting their ideology into high-profile investigations. At least he finally comes clean. Somebody is saying it. And that's part of the issue that we're all experiencing in the political spectrum. You have the supposed altruistic, unbiased pillars of justice in the Department of Justice and the FBI, supposedly maintaining law and order throughout the land without any prejudice. But we know for a fact, after we've seen what has gone on with Trump and Russiagate, Ukrainegate, January 6th, that they are anything but apolitical. They are all political. Every last one of them. The FBI has an industry outreach program, he continues, to help exchange information with industry, helping in the counterintelligence efforts of the FBI. This has gone well beyond that. This has nothing but domestic spying written all over it. And this is nothing but suppression of First Amendment rights and ideas. Thank you very much. It has now turned into the Gestapo. It has turned into the Stasi or whatever other domestic intelligence network from history you want to cite. It has nothing to do with law and order. It's got everything to do with political hacks maintaining their power by abusing their positions within these agencies. And guess what? You can't vote them in, nor can you vote them out. Whoever is in power is the one that controls them. Which brings us to Matt Taibbi and his Twitter files. By 2020, Twitter was struggling with the problem of public and private agencies bypassing them and going straight to the media. We saw that time and time again with the Christopher Steele dossier in February 2020. As COVID broke out, the Global Engagement Center, a fledgling analytical intelligence arm of the State Department, Hillary Clinton's State Department, went to the media with a report called Russian Disinformation Apparatus, taking advantage of coronavirus concerns. 
and the GEC, Global Engagement Center, flagged accounts as Russian personas and proxies based on criteria such as describing the coronavirus as an engineered bioweapon, blaming research conducted at the Wuhan Institute and attributing the appearance of the virus to the CIA. So, this is a loaded statement right here. They decided to say that if you spoke out against the mainstream narrative, which in turn is the government narrative about the coronavirus and Dr. Fauci's narrative, don't forget about that little stooge, if you decided to counter that narrative, then all of a sudden you were part of Russian opposition and you must be censored. It doesn't matter. Russia was the excuse, right? Russia Gate and Trump was the excuse that allowed the federal government aligned with people like Hillary Clinton and more than likely McCarthy and WEF, World Economic Forum morons, and stooges and jerk-offs like uh, Mitch McConnell and his disgusting wife to start censoring the American public so that they were not allowed to express their ideas and thoughts and research. Because if they did, they know that their narratives don't go anywhere and they don't hold any water. So Russia is the excuse to censor American citizens. He continues, Matt Taibbi, State also State Department also flagged accounts that retweeted news that Twitter banned the popular U.S. site Zero Hedge, claiming this episode led to a flurry of disinformation narratives, and Zero Hedge had done reports speculating that the virus had a lab origin. So once again, they're using Russia, oh, this must be Russian agents of disinformation, to, to tell us that, guess what, COVID didn't happen in nature. It actually was created by agencies that were funding third parties in another country that had lax laws compared to the United States. He can, uh, Matt Taibbi says, uh, what is else? You haven't made a Russia attribution in some time. So that was part of his tweet. When Clemson's media forensic hub complained Twitter hadn't made a Russia attribution in some time, trust and safety chief, y'all Roth, remember y'all? Y'all Roth. <laughs> I should say that with a country accent moving forward. Y'all Roth. Well, this is the guy that decided to get his PhD and nothing else than Grinder uh, said that it was revelatory of their motives. In other words, Y'all Roth was actually on the side of the public by saying, this is nonsense. Why is Clemson saying that we have to start censoring everything and everybody and attribute that censorship to Russia. That's what was really going on. And you find out that Clemson is really nothing more than a third party agent for the State Department and federal government. So basically what they wanted to say, they had a metric. How many sites and how many uh, accounts and tweets were being censored that we can say that Russia is in fact a really, really desperate actor to infiltrate American society. And the only way to measure that is by deleting accounts and censoring accounts. We're happy to work directly with you on this instead of NBC, said Roth. Roth tried in vain to convince outside researchers like the Clemson Lab to check with them before pushing stories about foreign interference to the, me uh, to the media. So what does this mean? 
It means that you had agents of discord within the State Department, CIA, FBI, D uh, DNI, DHS, you know, think of any more three-letter agencies you got, and they're trying to influence what the environment is on Twitter. You've got all of those individuals telling, or agencies, telling Twitter, oh, Oh, this is a Russian account. We need to see it deleted. And when Twitter doesn't move fast enough or Roth decides to push back a little bit and say this is nonsense, it has nothing to this account has nothing to do with Russia, then those agents of discord go to the media. The media runs the story. The politicians then say, look at the media story. We need to start regulating Twitter. So do you see how that cycle works? It's all a cycle of coercion and threats. If you don't play ball with the federal government in the way they want you to play ball with them, such as going through agents of the FBI or the CIA, then you're going to have to deal with a lot of public relations issues so you might as well just do what we tell you to do. By the way, that is fascism for anybody that doesn't know. So I, once again, I call out to Antifa. What are your thoughts on this? Because Antifa is supposed to be anti-fascist. Thank you very much, even though they are communists from 1920s and 30s Germany. Uh, but, you know, hopefully they rear their ugly heads and realize what's going on. So Matt Taibbi continues when the State Department... Remember, this was 2020 during the Trump admin, wanted to publicize a list of 5,500 accounts. It claimed it would amplify Chinese propaganda and disinformation about COVID. And the GEC report appeared based on DHS data circulated earlier that week and included accounts that followed two or more Chinese diplomatic accounts. So what happened here? This was once again a way for the federal government and their agents of discord aligned with Democrats and rollover Republicans like that pig, Liz Cheney, and the turtle, Mitch McConnell. If you don't play ball, then this is going to blow up a lot bigger. So what happened here? They basically said, look, we've got these accounts. We want them deleted. And if you don't delete them ASAP, then we're going to the media and then you're going to have to deal with that. Bear in mind, the American public would more than likely say, this is nonsense. We could see the accounts for what they are. There's no Russian disinformation here. There's no Chinese disinformation here. But what would happen is, is that you would have a radicalized Democrat base being fueled by a radicalized Democrat media or a warmongering right-wing Fox News like lantern-jawed idiot Sean Hannity but I wouldn't want to meet Sean Hannity in a dark alley. I do know he does boxing and he does a lot of self-defense. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to meet him, but I will talk crap about him uh, behind a microphone. That's fine by me. They would radicalize their bases in order to get what the federal government or to, to push what the federal government has been telling Twitter behind closed doors. Then there was another instance. They reportedly, the federal government, ended up with a list of nearly 250,000 names and included Canadian officials and a CNN account. And also Facebook was involved in this. Google was involved with this. And they tried to push back against the government. And their reasoning included the GEC's mandate for offensive I.O. to promote American interests. In other words, the GEC, 
Remember what that acronym stands for. Global Engagement Center is an offensive propagandistic arm of the State Department. They engage in disinformation. They engage in censorship. And they try to overthrow governments in foreign countries so that they can install their puppets to do whatever the American administration wants them to do. So now the GEC is getting involved in social media. And for what it's worth, Twitter... Facebook and the DARPA-run Google said, this is crazy. We're not trying to be offensive here. We're not trying to, to operate in this way. They didn't care. A deeper reason for this kind of reasoning was a perception that unlike the DHS and the FBI, which were apolitical, Roth said that the GEC had got to go. No more dealing with the GEC. But this is where you have to read between the lines. Even though the GEC is offensive, Twitter, Google, and Facebook, they can't be seen publicly acknowledging that they're doing the bidding and they're the little lapdogs of the State Department, which are run by Hillary Clinton insiders. So what they need to do is they need to have an air of legitimacy. And this goes in the public spectrum and also the employment spectrum because you've got two sets of clients. You've got the users like me and you. We're a set of clients. We're external clients. But you've also got a class of clients called your employees. So if you're seen doing things and enacting policies that are political in every nature, even though your employees are radicalized liberals, then there is a legal issue that they have to overcome. But if you're doing this at the behest of Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, then all of a sudden, I'm just following orders. It's the Department of Justice that wants me to censor accounts and remove them from our social media platforms. It's not me. It's not a political organization like the State Department or the GEC. It's the FBI and the Department of Justice. They're the pillars of democracy, and we must obey them. So that's where they try to go with this. And Taibi continues, I think they thought the FBI was less Trumpy, and eventually the FBI argued first to Facebook for a compromise solution because what was going on is that once you allow an agency into your business, like the GEC and the State Department, don't you think that those organizations talk to other agencies like the CIA, the DNI, Department of Homeland Security, and so on and so forth? So once the GEC got their foot in the door at Twitter, that then opened the floodgates to allow those other agencies to start making the same requests to suit their own ends. And eventually, everybody at Twitter started to get frazzled because you've got so many requests coming in at the same time. Eventually, Yol Roth said, enough is enough. And then we've got Elvis Chan. Elvis Chan, the little FBI agent that was orchestrating everything with Mr. Roth, he said that Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, they will be the sole conduits for what we need censored. Thank goodness for that. And he said also to ask if industry could rely on the FBI to be the belly button Twitter 
was taking requests for. In other words, like, who uses a phrase like the belly button? Uh, you know, rely on the FBI to be the belly button. So, so in other words, Mr. Chan is trying to say here that if the FBI is the one giving you the data and telling you what to censor, will you effing do it? And if you don't, do we have to go to the media to pressure you to do it because you want to avoid bad PR and you've got a stock price to maintain? Twitter was asking requests from every conceivable government body, beginning with the Senate Intelligence Committee, which seemed to need reassurance from Twitter that uh, that they were taking action from the FBI's direction. Isn't that something? The Senate Intel Commission, or committee, was also making these requests. How odd. And they arrived and were escalated from all over, from the Treasury Department, from the NSA. Every single state, hello, Katie Hobbs, the HHS, the FBI, the DHS, the Office for Democrat and House Intel Committee Chief Adam Schiff even made a suggestion by wanting to ban journalist Paul Sperry. They pushed back against that for what it's worth. And these requests were what a former CIA staffer working at Twitter, by the way, Twitter is riddled with former intel officers and FBI agents and so on and so forth, that Twitter was referring to what he said, our window on that is closing, meaning the days when Twitter could say no to these requests were over. So that's a very, very important phrase. Our window on that is closing. At the time of that email that Matt Taibbi cites, Twitter is trying to do the semi-right thing. They're trying to keep their bias in check, but they also have the federal government breathing down their neck from all angles. So our window on that is closing means, no, you've already made your bed and now you have to lie in it. You're not going to be able to turn down the federal government's requests in any way. That's what they mean by that. This is the very epitome of fascism. This is when you've got a government working through a private or public company to make it seem as though democracy is at stake, when really it is nothing more than a very, very sophisticated, (coughs) all-encompassing, propaganda effort to get one person into power over another. And they even went so far, they being the federal government, to assume that Twitter was just going to do whatever they asked by sending them a paragraph-long statement like the attached email accounts were possibly used for influence operations, social media collection, or social engineering, so we need these deleted. What they would do is they would forward an Excel document and say, we need this gone from Twitter or else. This is how all of this occurred. You know, Twitter had its own bias. Yol Roth, a PhD in Grinder Studies, had his own bias, but you're really starting to see how it became extremely fascistic, being that they are now taking orders from 
the federal government. And you have to assume that even though these orders are coming from the FBI and the CIA, those individuals making those requests from those agencies are biased in themselves. And when you, an easy way to check out whether or not somebody is an idiot is you can go to opensecrets.org and you can find out where they donated their money to during a presidential election or any other election. But you have to go one step further. You can't necessarily look up that individual. You have to start looking up their family members and their spouses. Once you do that, then you truly find their allegiance. Matt Taibbi's Twitter files keep going. This is the second drop, how Twitter let the intelligence community in. In August of 2017, when Facebook decides to suspend 300 accounts for suspected Russian origin, Twitter basically said that they don't have a Russia problem. Twitter is not the focus of an inquiry into Russian election meddling right now. The spotlight is on Facebook, wrote Public Policy VP Colin Crowell. So if Twitter was smart enough and Mr. Crowell was smart enough to read the tea leaves, he would understand that he was part of a decentralized centralization effort. And what do I mean by that? These individuals and these intelligence networks throughout the State Department, the media, and the FBI, they all take cues from one another. If one major media outlet starts running a story, then all of the other major media outlets realize, okay, this is going to be the story that we need to run with, so how do we focus our efforts to amplify that story? Once these stories become the major headlines. The politicians understand, okay, I've heard about this at the Freemason Lodge. I now know what we're going to do next and what our focus is going to be. So we're going to come up with legislation. We're going to push Twitter and Facebook to start censoring accounts and so on and so forth. It is all orchestrated, but it is decentralized. But the end goal is centralized. They're all going to work on a certain effort in their own ways and make it look like it's not connected. But once you realize that both left and right work for the same bosses in the World Economic Forum, hello, Joseph (laughs) Joseph McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, uh, then you realize that this is all a sham and they're taking advantage of us. So... Receiving these meager results because what happened was Crowell Crowell said, basically, Twitter has nothing. And so we don't have much to go on as far as this Russian infiltration is concerned. Senator Mark Warner of Virginia was furious, and he was, oddly enough, the ranking Democrat of the Intelligence Committee. And he held an immediate press conference and said that Twitter has censored, frankly, an inadequate amount of accounts on every level. See how this works? Democrat on the Intelligence Committee, upset about a Trump win, working probably with Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation and Bill Clinton, is now trying to gin up support and pressure on Twitter to start censoring the Democrat opponents. 
After meeting with congressional leaders, Mr. Crowell wrote, Warner has political incentive to keep this issue at the top of the news, maintain pressure on us and the rest of the industry to keep producing material for them. In other words, do what we tell you to do. If we send you accounts that want to be censored, you better effing do it. Crowell added Democrats were taking cues from Hillary Clinton who said it's time for Twitter to stop dragging its heels and live up to the fact that its platform is being used as a tool for cyber warfare. That's the cue. Hillary Clinton, the epitome of pear-shaped, disgusting, reprehensible, bottom-dwelling scum, came out and tweeted that, and as soon as she said that, immediately... Everybody was on board that Twitter has a Russia problem. This is what I'm talking about when I say decentralized centralization. She dropped it. Everybody works in their own way, the Democrats and the Republicans, to start censoring social media. And then Twitter created the Russia task force. No evidence of a coordinated approach of all of the accounts found They only seem to be lone wolves with spending at least or at most $10,000 in ad spend. And guess what? There were only 15 major accounts and two of them were from RT, Russia Today. So please, I mean, this is nonsense. They had nothing to go on, but that didn't stop Warner. In the weeks after Warner's presser, a torrent of stories sourced to the Intel Committee poured into the news. An example being Politico saying that Twitter deleted data potentially crucial to Russia probes. Were a Twitter contractor for the FSB, they could not have built a more effective disinformation platform, said John Hopkins professor and Intel committee expert Thomas Ridd. So what they're saying here is basically that Twitter is an agent of Russia because they're not deleting political opponents fast enough. That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. And what Twitter finds itself doing all the time is trying to counter the media narratives. Now, why are these media narratives coming out in the first place? It's because these Democrats, like Senator Warner, are going to their contacts within the mainstream media because they were getting pushback from Facebook, Google, and Twitter. So once they started to experience that resistance, they said, you know what? We're going to go to the media, and then they'll have to answer to the media, and then their public relations departments will go into overdrive, which would generate a new policy and get these social media platforms to delete our political opponents. That's all that is. And the most important tweet out of Matt Taibbi's Twitter files is tweet number 31, which is Twitter soon settled on its future posture. In public, it removed content at, quote-unquote, our sole discretion. But privately, they would offboard anything identified by the U.S. intelligence community as a state-sponsored entity conducting cyber operations. That's a very, very vague statement. In other words, it's like I've been saying... If a Democrat in some kind of agency doesn't like somebody saying something across the social media spectrum like Twitter or Facebook, then their number was up and they are going to be erased. 
That is the very definition of fascism. Joseph Goebbels from Nazi Germany would be extremely proud. It's like we're going through the same thing yet again. And here is the worst part. The worst part comes from Elvis Chan. Elvis Chan was the one working with Yol Roth to siphon all of the agency's efforts through two portals, the FBI and the other agency. So we find out from the Daily Wire that Twitter FBI agent thinks fewer blacks voted after 2012 because of Russians, not Obama's departure. This Elvis Chan is completely brainwashed. He has completely bought into the propagandistic efforts of the World Economic Forum types and the idiotic Democrat degenerates. And so when you have this kind of individual working for the FBI and somehow gaining access to all of Twitter, then with this kind of mindset, what else would you expect? The bitter irony behind all of this is that the Democrats are supposed to be against fascism, but only they can stop fascism. So you must elect us. You mu In order to stop fascism, you must act like a fascist and censor people and remove people. That's how you have to do it. He wrote an academic thesis, 400, no, 149 pages. I mean, good gosh, 149 pages on social media companies and U.S. government efforts to combat Russian influence campaigns during the 2020 U.S. election cycle. So he submitted it to the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California, oddly enough, in September of 21, and it reveals an animus towards President Trump. Good gracious, you think so? Number one, Chan's best evidence that the Russians made a difference in 2016's presidential cycle is that black voting rates declined from 2012, which is more readily explained by, guess what? Obama wasn't on the ballot. So you have voter apathy. Do you think that a lot of people in the African-American community or the Hispanic community are going to like somebody like Hillary Clinton over somebody else like Barack Obama? Of course not. Of course not. Do you remember when Hillary Clinton went down to the South and she started to try and speak with a hideous Southern accent? She, you can look it up, but she's out there saying, I's in no ways tired. I's gonna see the mountaintop. I mean, oh my God, you might as well just put on blackface and do an Al Jolson bit, you hag. She's awful. Just a terrible, terrible person. The next thing I expected was that she was gonna go out there with a cane and start singing Mammy. So, he continued by saying, analysis of voter turnout revealed a relatively high overall turnout, but low black voter turnout. I mean, wow, a lot of O's in this, uh, in the 2016 election cycle. This combination of factors may have led to Vladimir Putin achieving his desired goals of eroding American faith in the democratic process. Of course, that's exactly what it must be. Thank goodness we've got somebody like Mr. Chan on the case. The ultimate proof was the record turnout of voters across all demographics, including black voters. Ultimately, the American actions appeared effective in mitigating the Russian online tactics 
during the Obama election cycles because voters were undeterred and turned out in record numbers? Uh, No, because I refuse to believe that uh, voters in 2020 didn't turn out in record numbers, but I sincerely question the voting apparatus that tallied the votes. Number two, Chan says that uh, they, why the FBI needs to work with social media companies as an end run around the First Amendment. Due to First Amendment constraints, he says, federal agencies have little involvement in Americans' usage of social media. However, the FBI could communicate with social media companies and share information. How prescient of Mr. Chan, because what do we find? We find that a scant four years later, in 2020, Mr. Chan is doing exactly what he wrote in his thesis to influence the election cycle of the United States during the 2020 presidential election. He is a fascist. He is an agent provocateur. He is a seditionist and a fifth columnist. Mr. Chan must be dragged into the public spotlight and answer a lot of questions under oath. That's what has to happen. He even recommended National Counterinformation Operations Center as an interagency fusion center and focal point for countering disinformation campaigns. Whoa! And the center could be modeled after the national counterism. Stop it. Enough. Enough. All right. So he continues by suppressed information including criticism of the FBI, was accurate. Chan celebrated in 2019. Twitter removed 422 accounts supposedly aligned with Russia and focusing on promoting Trump. I mean, do you see how stupid these assholes are? I mean, do you see how dumb and short-sighted these people are? Anything that goes against the Democrats is, oh, it's Russian. It's Russian. And so this thing that he said, I said it. I should make a drinking game. Every time I said the word thing, you got to take a shot. You'll be drunk by the end of 20 minutes. Uh, Anyway, uh, focused on promoting Trump, a right-wing meme that accused the FBI of misusing the Steele dossier to obtain a surveillance order and also promoted Islamophobic rhetoric. The themes promoted by the IRA which is Internet Research Agency aligned with Russia on Twitter, showed its continued acuity in determining the hot-button issues that would agitate right-wing voters. Um, no, I'm sorry. And guess what? We found out that the Steele dossier was bunk, and he was still able to make the argument because he wants to make sure that the Steele dossier has as much legitimacy as possible, even though it has as many holes as your favorite Swiss cheese. He continues by saying he cited an outside researcher to say that 59% of Facebook users were exposed to Russian misinformation. Whoa! Even though if you look at the data from Facebook... Facebook political ads targeting black voters, which is what he was citing, which is supposed to be Russian disinformation, or I'm sorry, misinformation, not disinformation, had 223 views. A social media platform with over a billion users, this ad had 223 views. Do you mean to tell me that those 223 people were so impactful during the 2020 election cycle that they gave it? To, I mean, uh, the 2016 election cycle, that the election was swayed toward Trump on 223 people? 
I'm sorry, Mr. Chan, but you're an idiot. You're brain dead. You are completely brainwashed. And he also singles out Peace Data as a notable Russian-linked campaign. But acknowledge that Twitter said they don't have much impact. And then Chan also said that race, ethnicity, and self-identity, which allowed Russia to use Facebook and Instagram to target specific demographic groups, could also influence American politics, specifically the misinformation pushed towards black to anger people towards white people and also dissuade white people from the notion of black empowerment. And he even goes so far to reference former Soviet bloc countries in saying that in order to combat this Russian misinformation, you must introduce indoctrination in schools, the democracies in former Soviet bloc countries, I didn't know they were democracies, appear to have relatively informed and resilient electorates because media literacy and critical thinking are indoctrinated into their entire education. So that's what he pushes for in his thesis. And also, obviously, if you haven't figured it out yet, he does not like Donald Trump. He calls him an anti-immigrant, he says the hallmark of the Trump campaign uh, is that Putin may have sensed that Donald Trump's rise as a legitimate candidate offered an avenue to advance his anti-American agenda. That's right. This is all Russia and Putin. Oh, you better watch out. Oh, gosh. So ultimately, Elvis Chan is nothing more than a Democrat stooge. Elvis Chan wrote a thesis of before the 2020 election cycle of exactly what he wanted to do, and the FBI in San Francisco allowed him that chance to enact upon his thesis, and Twitter was the fall guy for the enforcement of his ideas. And Yul Roth and the employees of Twitter, knowing that they are hardcore Democrat, communist liberals at this point, I guess, or communist anarchists at this point, know that they would go along with Mr. Chan's rhetoric and his deranged mindset. Now, what's extremely disturbing about all of this is that we've heard nothing of Chan. He more than likely still has his position of power in the FBI, and more than likely he is still abusing it. So please, if we are to do anything, we must drag Mr. Chan in front of everybody and use his kind of tactics and the FBI's kind of tactics that we learned from Matt Taibbi and start holding people like him accountable to his fascistic policies. Because for all intents and purposes, this is a fascistic government. When you have these kinds of agents acting as conduits of censorship and enacting, basically refusing to enact upon the Constitution and uphold the Constitution, violating their oath, then you live in a debauched country. Law and order and the rule of law no longer takes precedence. It is all about opinion and how far you can go 
in your position of power to enforce your opinion on the electorate. So if anything is to change in the next election cycle, this needs to be brought to light. And thankfully, Matt Taibbi said we've only scratched the surface. So I look forward to that. That's enough for one night. 40 minutes of nonstop talking. Good God almighty. My throat is parched. That's it. Last Call Podcast with Chris Michaels. I'm lovable. You're lovable. And we're all fuzzballs. Remember, if you share me, it is the Fuzzball Nation. And you can find me, Last Call Caravan, everywhere on the social media platforms. This is Chris Michaels for the Last Call Podcast.